0: Are you a respectable royal or noble whose rule is being subverted by a young princess?
1: Are you a sorcerer or witch whose clients are not adhering to contractual deals?
0: Have you been needlessly thrown off a cliff, stabbed, or permanently trapped in a lamp?
1: Has a multi-billion dollar corporation profited off your likeness and slandered you as a bad guy?
0: Berkeley and Glance specialize in Disney villain representation, making sure you know your rights, your options, and your path to be treated fairly under the law.
1: Call 1-800-MWAHHAHHA today. And remember, you're not bad. You're just drawn that way.
0: Welcome to the Disney Desk everyone. Carter here and Sydney. And welcome once again to our favorite time of year. It is October.
1: Woo-hoo, we are in Woo! spooky season, baby. Let's go. Woo, <laughs> yeah. You know what I realized? <laughs>
0: you know what we sound like when we do that? What? <laughs> We sound like the meme of, it's about the Mets, baby, come on, it's almost the Mets, home m- baby, come on,
1: Mets, yeah. go
0: Mets. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, as we talked about last year, both of us really, really love Halloween. This season is oh, yeah. sort of Pete Carter and Sydney time. And,
1: you know, it's like, it's we, kind of amazing because, like, even though we kind of, we just had, like, our, like, sort of anniversary, that was in August, right, that we did that. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like this time last year was when we were finally, like, getting our mojo and, like, finding mm. our niche, if you want to say that. But, like, it was when we were really, like, getting comfortable in a groove, which essentially was doing themes. <laughs> were right. we theme It really,
0: it is kind of wild that, I mean, it makes perfect sense. That was our first, like, themed month where we had, yeah. like, specific music and a specific, like, yeah everything needs to center around this as a topic. And right.
1: We're going to brand it.
0: Yeah, I would agree, because those first two months, we were, like, really, like, well, one, our entire first month was all recorded in one session. Yeah. Um, and, like, we were figuring things out. We were trying different, like, subject, like, different headers. Right. Like, Marvel Minute hasn't been as much a part as I expected. We haven't no. done another, like, script doctors. No, um, but that was all,
1: like, topical stuff. Like, we were really topical. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, we really were, because that was right when Lightyear went to Disney+. Exactly, huh. Yeah. We were a lot meaner back then.
1: Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, we
0: were. I've gotten meaner about everything except Disney, inexplicably, where I'm like, you all need right? to calm down. Everything's fine. Right, yeah.
1: That's always how it but, is.
0: Yeah, and last Halloween was very fun. We had our big Disney villain celebration. It was the first time you had ever gotten introduced to Over the Garden Wall. Um, what else did we do? We did a couple yeah, different Yeah, Over fun the Garden Wall changed my happened. life.
1: Um, oh, Wendell and Wild, which yes, we, we really enjoyed that one,
0: possibly one of our most topical episodes, yeah, um,
1: oh Charlie Brown, oh yeah, we, and that, that was when we started, started Charlie our, Brown our Charlie Brown kick, yeah,
0: yeah, I like I will say, I am excited to get back to that soon because you mm-hmm. know there's the other holidays they did, we still you know we haven't covered the smaller holiday episodes, right, done.
1: right, yeah, yeah, I'm glad we're not out of peanuts content to cover
0: right but um yeah we're really excited for this halloween i think we have like we really brainstormed like we took a week off from like recording content just so we could focus on like let's really nail this month let's like pick right. four topics that we feel are absolutely great right which is especially fun because halloween this or spooky season this year also falls under the disney 100 but to start off this month Possibly one of our weirdest, most obtuse, and yet delightfully creative ideas we've ever made.
1: Yeah, this one, I don't know. It's like, it's it's an idea that is so off the wall, and yet it's weird to me that we haven't thought of this sooner.
0: Right. Because it's something about I mean, who's so us. Right. Not even just because you love She-Hulk, but just because right. it's like... We love doing bits, we love right. doing characters, we love themed stuff, and we love Disney villains. Exactly. Um, I think, did I pitch this idea? I'm trying to remember who you pitched did. this idea.
1: You You pitched this idea, and, and I was immediately like, yeah, I don't care what else has to be moved. I don't care what other ideas we had in its place, so we're doing this one.
0: Well, you know what's funny? I like I think ultimately this idea came from, we did an episode of Cast Pod, where we were just doing a series of episodes where we were just copying our friends' podcasts.
1: Oh my God, um, yeah.
0: And they did Disney villains, and but Kevin added the twist of pitch one villain you think was right." And I was like, there's a reason why we love Disney villains, right? Because right. they're cool. They get like the cool they have the coolest color schemes. they have the coolest personas. They tend they're to be day-coded. allowed to like chew the scenery. Whereas, like, area, you know, whereas, like, the princesses tend to have to follow strict rules about, like, they can't be animated too cartoonishly. They can't over, you know, express themselves. Like, Disney villains can be scary, but also be hammy and silly, and, like, they're allowed to have the whole spectrum of, like, emotion, I guess. Right. Um, But also, like, some of the best ones, you kind of want them, like, you kind of want them to win. Not just because they're likable, but also, you know... You see where they're coming from on exactly. this stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true.
0: So for this first episode of uh, Spooky Season with the Disney Desk, I realized we didn't really come up with a branding for it. Right, yeah.
1: Um, it's Halloween we are Bitches. Going to,
0: yeah, it's Halloween Bitches. I don't think I can write... I really <laughs> no, think can't. our engagement's going to go through a ditch if I write, yeah. it's Halloween Bitches. Right, co- we, can't. <laughs> we can't. do lawyers. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for this month, for this first episode we are going to serve as Disney villain lawyers.
1: Exactly. A la She-Hulk, those of you that know anything about She-Hulk or have read the comics. And it was inspired, this wasn't inspired directly from She-Hulk, but there are a lot of similarities in that She-Hulk essentially has made her career from defending and representing... Um, Like Marvel villains. It's kind of her specialty in a weird way. She Mm. defends the monsters in court. Sorry, not sorry. Anyway, we're kind of doing something similar and uh, presenting a couple of Disney villains that well, it's like, well, I guess that's the challenge. I was going to say presenting some Disney villains that we believe are right, but you know, I think that's part of being a defense lawyer, right? Is that like you don't need to believe shit. You just need to yeah. argue. <laughs> you just need to create some solid arguments on behalf of uh, of the bad guy.
0: Right. At the end of the day, I don't think either of us in our arguments are denying the evil things they've no. done. We are just arguing their branding, their status as a bad guy. Right. The fact that the Walt Disney Corporation has made a small... like. You know, there's the princess branding, and then there's the villain branding. Arguably, they're two strongest merchandising vehicles.
1: Right, exactly. At least for Walt Disney. Without question.
0: Yeah. You know, they are are literally being painted as the bad guy. And I think we here are getting them properly represented, getting them justice,
1: or failing
0: that, at least some compensation from the Walt Disney yeah, Corporation for, for their
1: pain and suffering. Yeah, exactly. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> uh, I think we have two really fun, sort of iconic, classic Disney villains for this episode. But mm. um, before we dive in, we are introducing a special um, one-month segment that we are calling Sydney and Carter's Spooky Corner.
1: Should we say it like Sydney and Carter's Spooky Corner? I feel like the word spooky demands to be said that way.
0: Yes. Are we keeping this in? Yep. (laughs) Ah, damn. All right. Well, in that case, it's time for Sydney and Carter's spooky Spooky. (laughs) corner.
1: Oh, I like the werewolf. Nice touch.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I love we're just keeping this in and patting ourselves on the
1: back. Yes. We're so good at this job.
0: (laughs) We're the best. (laughs) All of that staying in. Okay, I don't great. fucking Good. care. No, I'm not cutting any of that. It's great. So, Sydney and Carter's Spooky Corner, it's basically, honestly, it's kind of inspired by what we did for the 12 Days of Podmas. Um, yeah,
1: just sort where, of like short one-off uh, topics.
0: Right. And what I liked about that was a lot of the topics weren't necessarily about Disney stuff, but were just about us. And right, yeah. I feel like if you've been listening this long, you like us to a certain extent, so I figure it's nice to talk <laughs> about nostalgic memories And you want to know what I realized that's kind of crazy, Sydney? What? Despite us both loving Halloween and kind of having it as our favorite holiday, we met each other in high school, kind of like right in that gap where you don't really celebrate Halloween.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Yeah, Halloween certainly I don't think was like a big component of our friendship until later. Because even like, like it was the end of high school, we were going into college, and I feel like that we were both extremely busy during like those like couple mm. years. So even then, it's like we weren't really like celebrating Halloween. I feel like it wasn't until after that passed that we were fu- that we kind of started bonding over Halloween. If that makes sense. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, we were like right we became friends kind of right in the wrong gap
1: for of it. life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Be- because it's like You know, when you're a kid, you go trick-or-treating. It's, like, one of the big child events of the year.
1: Oh, yes. You know?
0: And then in college, it's, like, a party time. You're partying, partying, partying. And then young adult time, uh, there was a -a once-in-a-century plague that kept us from celebrating.
1: Right, right.
0: We kind of lost all of the best gap-like corners for Halloween as friends.
1: Exactly. But, hey, that's why we have a podcast. Now we can reminisce and exchange that information now. So, like, what was your, like, today we want to talk about Candy, which is one of my favorite things in the whole world. But it's the I'm most curious obvious about... Right, exactly. I'm curious about like your trick-or-treating ritual or like what was trick-or-treating like for you.
0: You know, so for my young like basically for most of my childhood, it was we would go to like around like six or seven, it was already when the sun was down, we would go over to a neighbor's house who would always have the same party. Like, their whole house would be oh. decked out. They would really lean into the bits. Um, and I would be antsy as... Because I am I was very much one of those kids. Like, I leaned into the sitcom energy of it. Like, how the yeah. Belcher kids celebrate trick-or-treating, where they become obsessed yes. with, like, best strategy. That was right. me. Where I was, like, the stubborn kid who did not want to give up. I would... If they mm-hmm. could have let me out there till 1 in the morning, I absolutely would have been out there till 1 in the morning. Because I was like, we have to cover every single house. Um, And then once I got a little independence, I probably trick-or-treated longer than most kids. But, Mm. like, for me, it was always a pillowcase. It had to be the biggest thing. Oh, yes. It had to be efficient. Like, we couldn't waste any time. Like, it had to be moving from house to house as quickly as humanly possible. You could not waste a single step of motion. I was very... (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, like, as I got older, I kind of became the ringleader and really, like, would push, like, come on, guys, we can make ten more houses if we hurry. Even that year, it was, like, a torrential downpour. I was like, come on, guys, we can gut this out. It'll stop soon. It'll stop.
1: I recently, like, there's there's this tweet I liked recently that was, like, oh, I grew up in Miami. And, like, a friend of mine from Minnesota showed me a picture of him trick-or-treating as a kid with a winter coat on. And it never occurred to me that some people trick-or-treat in the cold. Right. And, like, yeah, that was, there were many a, of, or at least just, like, doing your best to pretend that you weren't cold. Like, we, it wasn't Minnesota cold where, where we live, but, like, uh, but certainly we were, like, putting on coats sometimes, and I even remember a snowy Halloween.
0: Oh, yeah, I do remember, I remember the snowy Halloween. Yeah. That one, I lucked out that I decided to go with Scott Pilgrim, and nice. I had, like, a winter coat on as the bit, and I was like, thank God, this Perfect. lined up perfectly. Um Perfect. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, like, I feel like I was spoiled because I was in the most, like, stereotypical, like, suburbia, suburbia, you could possibly suburbia, which yeah. just made the logistics of trucker-treating so much easier. It's so interesting when I was living in New York, seeing how other people were trucker-treating, I'm like... Oh, that's yeah. so weird that you might just go up and down your building, and that's it,
1: right, yeah, yeah, that is insane.
0: <laughs> there's like an I feel like there has to be an adventuring element to it, right?
1: oh, absolutely, like it's gotta be Charlie Brown's style, like where it's you're going mm-hmm. on a journey, like and I've also was like a strategizing kid and then that same way,
0: right. Well, because you're you're in an interesting spot because you're in like a big collection of houses, but you're on like really long roads.
1: Well, like that's what I was gonna what I was gonna say about, about my experience. First of all, I was the same exact way. It was my best friend and I um, that we've been best friends since the third grade, and we would go to her neighborhood to trick or treat, um, because well, not to dox us, but uh, if you've ever been made, to I watch feel like a- that ship sailed. Right. If you've ever been made to watch a documentary about mid-century USA and um, how all of the soldiers came home from war and they were given these houses made by this specific man that were all the same exact house in these massive, mm. massive neighborhoods of these mass-produced homes. That's where we grew up. We grew up in one of those Very
0: mass-produced... thing.
1: Yes. A man by a certain name. and The town is named after that man. We grew up in one of those. Which means that, like... Endless and I mean endless homes to trick-or-treat at. It was it was a trick-or-treater's paradise
0: because
1: mm. you would just never run out of homes. And like the neighborhoods are like separated into like sections is what we call them. They're really just neighborhoods. But they were all connected. So you could shake down every single section. And that's what we would do. Boom, boom. We would hit up all these sections. We would never run out of homes and yes it was a pillowcase filled to the brim like heavy a heavy heavy pillowcase by the end of the night it was and and we would stop and unload and head back out
0: see that would give me too much anxiety though because it like i like that at least my neighborhood is contained so there is a theoretical end like i can succeed in my mission like the idea that you just can't ever get all of the houses
1: yeah that was the thing we would stop when people would start going to bed like that was mm-hmm. when it, that was the signal that it was over when people when we could tell that houses had been available for trick-or-treating but they had just like either run out or like it's just late it's that late that right <laughs> that they're they've gone to bed <laughs> like we can tell that they're home um but, yeah, I those were the best years of my life, and trick-or-treating was a very big deal for me, even though I, I, like, never really talk about it on this show, but, like, I grew up, like, I had a very religious upbringing, which is, like, even though I was allowed to, like, participate in Halloween, we still had to do this obligatory, like, church... Halloween that was sort of anti Halloween. It was always fucking lame and I hated oh it. Oh my
0: god, like the King of the Hill episode?
1: Yes, that's yes. Why didn't yes. you ever
0: tell me about this?
1: I don't know. <laughs> because I try and forget about it. Because I it was so miserable and I, okay, I just try yeah. my best to forget. Like the like I don't want to think about my religious childhood. <laughs> I mean, that's why I don't care.
0: <laughs> I know this isn't the actual topic that we're talking about, but like what oh, is your right. goat? What would your actual meal for Halloween be like? What would you get for dinner?
1: <laughs> oh, um, that's really funny, um, because I'm just thinking it was nerds and whatever. Like I made right, a meal out of. At... <laughs> like my I mean, we would get meat me because it's I like, make it back God. to the house, and there would it would be a good chunk of wrappers that I like. I was making a meal out of. Um, this is gonna sound terrible. Um, in said neighborhood, again, we're so doxing ourselves. There was this Burger King that was nearby, and I and you like you know oh, the Burger King the I'm one
0: Burger about. King in the entire country. You okay? You <laughs> fucked us, Sydney. You
1: fucked. Us. You know well. You know the Burger King I'm talking about, right? Because yeah, it, it no, near, I know exactly what you're yes, talking exactly. about. Exactly. I got
0: in a, a car accident there,
1: and a good handful of our listeners probably know the exact Burger King. But it was near where my friend lived, and um. It was, we totally were doing a drive-by of the, like, at, at, it was a drive-through night. Like, like right. I gotta respect. My mom, even though she made me go to church, she respected the sanctity of the trick-or-treating and, like, didn't interrupt me. I think I was only required to, like, get my homework done-ish before. Like, I think I was just required to, like, have that out of the way. And then after that, all bets hmm. are off and, like, we're off to the races. Like, whatever. So I'm pretty Me- sure I, it was some sort of drive-through thing. It was probably Burger
0: right. King. Meanwhile, like, because I asked this last year and people were acting like a meal for ha- like specific meals for Halloween. It's like we had pizza at that party every year, so my brain just doesn't like oh, associates yeah. the taste of pizza with Halloween, even right. though it's like logically I'm like, well, I pick up a pizza for my family every week now as I'm like right. taking care of them. Right. Yeah. But the actual topic of this episode, Sydney, Candy. what are your go-to <laughs> Halloween candies?
1: Um, okay, so I consider myself a candy aficionado. Like, I am passionate I do, too, despite candy. giving up on it. Right? It's bad for me. I feel miserable now that I am damn near 30 years old and, like, shouldn't be eating it the way that I do. Mm-hmm. But I was always a gummy person and a sour huh. person. Like, so I was all about them gummy bears. Anything that was gummy and anything that was sour. So, like, I was obsessed with that stuff. So um i'm trying to think of a good example yeah like like gummy bears were a big deal for me um i'll tell you one thing and i recently like somebody recently tweeted it and i like saved the picture of it and it may be my favorite candy even though it doesn't fall under oh no see the more i think about it the more i'm like no that's my favorite candy no that's my favorite candy but but the thing i recently remembered were these like fruit flavored tootsie rolls
0: yes that was gonna be one of mine
1: they're why are they so good? They were like these creamy, like lightly fruit flavored taffy things. And and they were Tootsie, like they were the Tootsie brand. Like they were like mini Tootsie rolls, but they weren't fudge flavored. They were like fruit flavored. And they right. would the best candy in the world. Because
0: I'd argue that consistency is better for fruit than it is, because then it's just like right. taffy. It's like saltwater taffy. it's exactly. like why I don't want chocolate when I'm chewing something like that.
1: Exactly. But my number one favorite candy I've always maintained is Lemonheads because and because oh, it, it fulfills fun. my sour and it's got a satisfying crunch to it. And I was always obsessed with Lemonheads and they used to give you like the big fat ones that were just a single one, like in an individually wrapped package. Huh. And
0: I used to crack those pup puppies back.
1: But all of those, do you remember those like sour crybaby gumballs?
0: yes those terrifying things yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i used to love the crap like that and like the warheads and like i was a sour That's, fiend i did
0: i mean i guess it makes sense because you're you sold me on the gospel of sour skittles at the movies, right
1: and we haven't looked back but since.
0: like yeah i've never really thought that through of like oh maybe she just like sour things
1: i do i do like sour things um what about um. you
0: See, I had trouble with this because, again, I was a candy maniac as a kid. I would have candy yeah. all the time. I would always demand some kind of candy every time we went to, like, the Whole Foods – or not Whole Foods stores. I, what is the word for, like, a Costco?
1: Oh, um, wholesale.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that stuff. I would always be adamant that we get, like, a whole thing at Airheads, a whole thing at Mike and Ike's. Mm-hmm. Like, it's amazing. I did – like – like I say this sincerely, I am surprised I did not end up having some kind of problem with like weight or diabetics, like do you have because I did not take like care. Like I do. My- <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, no. Actually, it's funny. I only had one filling in my entire life, and it fell out because it was a baby tooth.
1: Oh, that's well. That's nice.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I fractured a tooth, but that was from stress. But right. that's another story. Right. Uh, anywho, fortunately, they were able to save it, so I didn't have to get a new one. But that's good. Yeah. Um, but anywho, see, I guess a part of it is, like, philosophy on everyday candy versus Halloween candy. I think is kind of where I, like, right. ruminated and meditated a lot. And my stance was, the best thing about Halloween candy is it's stuff you never think of buying at the grocery store just to have around.
1: Right, exactly, yeah. So like, for instance, to like, that, it's, it's normal to see, like, Hershey Kisses in somebody's home. Mm-hmm. But not, like, I don't know, yeah, Laffy Taffy's or something like that. Like...
0: Yes, exactly. Like, a lot of my favorite candies were the fruity ones. Laffy yes. Taffy, those flavored Tootsie Rolls, where it's like, well, we just wouldn't have those around the house.
1: Oh, yeah. Um,
0: runts, the little, like, weird Willy Wonka candies. Yeah, I really like those.
1: Um, I always thought otherwise. It,
0: no, those were my favorite.
1: I hated the bananas.
0: <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, so, like, fruity stuff like that. But also, as someone who's not the biggest chocolate person, this is the one time Either I would let myself go hog wild with chocolate. Mm. Like, it's the one exception. So, particularly, like, Butterfingers. Um,
1: I liked Butterfingers, too. And everybody, like, I didn't mind them. and People used to hate right? them. I love them. <laughs> yeah. They're just they pure sugar.
0: I um, nearly poisoned so my like, dog
1: with Butterfingers. Did I ever tell that story?
0: <laughs> no. Oh, God.
1: It's a Halloween How many story. did they have?
0: Oh well, you got into tini- you had tiny dogs. No, though. it was yeah. Layla,
1: the greyhound, and she what? she got Layla. into like it was. I had eaten through this was maybe like late November. I had eaten through most of the candy, and I still had it all in that pillowcase, and it was mm-hmm. in my bedroom. And it was mostly chocolate, like the thing that they tell you will poison your dog. And I came home from school one day, and she had eaten through all of it, and we had to have her stomach pumped, and it cost us. Like, God, that had months.
0: to. That would have had to have been a lot, because, like, my dogs have been normally <laughs> eating a bunch of chocolate, but they're really big. Because the thing, okay, so this isn't a part of the topic, but, like, okay. so, like, candy you get with Hershey bars and stuff is so watered down with, like, milk and sugar. Yeah. Like, it's dark chocolate, that's a scary one, because that's, like, pure right. cacao. But I digress. Anyway, so, like, Hershey bars I would never just have around, but I would right. always be so happy at the individual ones that you just pop in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Heath bars, of course. Probably. Um And honestly, like, if I could only pick one, Whoppers. They just felt like the ultimate Halloween candy. The sort of old-fashioned malted milk. I would never eat them, like, I would never think of buying a box of them. Right. But they just had such a, I think it's the malted milk, honestly. It's such a nostalgic taste. It just feels like it it belongs with an old-timey holiday.
1: One of the many things I've had to give up since going gluten-free, because I can't have malt anymore. Oh, shit. Because malt is made of wheat. Yeah, I, I know. I need that. to revolt. Um okay, yeah. wait. You want to know one of my and I'm glad that we're talking about this for so long. I could talk about this all day. But like
0: I love we were like 5 10 minutes. Yeah, next. we're
1: cutting it short. I, um and we're I don't like, know if so this anyway, is entertaining for you window. all, but I'm having
0: the best time. Yeah, this is like I just talking, talking about with about a friend. Shut,
1: exactly. <laughs> um okay, wait. One of my favorite childhood memories and like it's just one of my favorite things to do is like you know the smell of candy like like Mm. the bowl that all of the candy is in and it and it gives off this like sweet waxy yes
0: smell exactly and like the plasticky waxy thing all the wrappers have
1: all of yeah and all of it together in this candy salad that's this massive bowl and it just gives off this like yeah this waxy plasticky yet sugary kind of smell and it it's it is the smell of pure joy to me
0: to this mm. day. Right. Um, um,
1: before we, like, take off, like, we need to talk about the worst things to get as a trick-or-treater. Like, what's, like, the fucking worst thing that somebody can give you? Like, what's the worst shit that you're throwing away?
0: Um, there would be these little, like, <sighs> hmm, I'm trying to think about that. Because the thing is, I would love so much candy, I would kind of suck it up and eat anything. I I weirdly wasn't into, like, mint candy. Even though I love oh, mint as a yeah. flavor, I like, like it in the York's. form of, like, ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's good as ice cream. It's good as, like, peppermint. But, like, that as, like, a uh, chocolatey candy, absolutely not. Right. Um,
1: For me, I don't know if this counts as candy. It probably doesn't. But those dumb popcorn balls.
0: Oh, God. You know yeah, I got about? those once or twice. I yeah. I get them
1: every damn year. And also
0: a, a part of good Halloween candy is it has to be very poppable. It has to be very right, easy we're to eaten eat on the
1: way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like it yeah. can't be too involved like that and like the wax lip things. Um, I'm just like, also this is too like, much work.
1: Pretzels. Like I used to get like those little snack pack of pretzels and I'm like, this is so boring. Like, thanks. Right. I,
0: I can I'll buy the, I, I have those at home.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, like, Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I have that at home. Like, come on now. This is Halloween.
0: Yeah, and then, like, stuff with, like, peanuts and stuff, I used to be weird where I didn't like eating peanuts, so that was just oh. more of a personal thing. That's Even though I loved peanut butter, for some reason I only liked it if it was a paste. Um, you didn't
1: like it in M&M's but, or anything?
0: No. Okay. The only, like, peanut butter M&M's were fine. I'm very... Ooh, the only candy I eat now is the pretzel M&M's. Um, I just tossed those in my yogurt. Um, oh. Yeah slightly better than the candy corn uh, revelations of 2022
1: oh my gosh
0: Um, not doing that as much i realize there's a lot more sugar in those than i thought yeah um any final thoughts as we uh head (laughs) to our regular scheduled programming
1: you know what i think it's time to go to court
0: let's go to court ladies and gentlemen that's right So to sort of give you guys a sense of the framing, both of us have picked one Disney villain who we will give an impassioned defense of, presenting our arguments for why they are not the villain, or rather have been mischaracterized as a villain. Uh, The other person will listen as the judge and jury and will pass judgment. Um, I don't want to put my dad on blast. I guess I'm still in the, like, let's talk about our lives segment a little bit. Maybe the best piece of advice my dad ever gave me, it was after he had done jury duty for just the stupidest case, where they probably should have uh, charged the guy, but just chose not to, and he goes, Carter, stop for a moment and think about a jury of your peers, what that actually entails. Think about no. who people would consider your peers. Right. Never put yourself in a situation where a jury is going to have to decide anything for you. Right. But I digress. Um, but yes, we will both give our cases, and the other will decide if we gave a good enough argument. Sounds good. I will go first, and Glance. I am, of course, yes, Glance of the Berkeley and Glance uh, firm. hmm And I will be defending the Lord of the Underworld himself, Hades, as seen in Disney's Hercules.
1: Okay. Are you ready? I'm very ready.
0: Doing some prop comedy. Right. <laughs> All right, here we go. And that's the world's first dish. Good people of the jury, that is how the muses identify their retelling of early Greek mythology, pre-Olympian mythology, if you will. The goddesses of the arts, they call themselves. But what is art but a subjective lens, giving history and fact a physical, subjective form. Their opening song, The Gospel Truth, like many Disney films with opening songs, use this to provide context and lore to everything we are about to see, to clearly lay out who is good and who is bad by the standards of the story. I believe as I lay out my evidence in favor of the Lord of the Underworld, you will see that this Gospel Truth is anything but... To begin, let us talk about what Hades actually does. He is the lord of the underworld. He is a man of practical business. It is his job to basically make the living world livable by keeping a system of life and death in place. If he were to fail in this job in any way, shape, or form, the undead would be left loose on the world of Greece and chaos would ensue. As a visual gag, they lit, say, the underworld, now serving over five billion and one. He is an administrator. He is able to handle administrative tasks with tact and purpose. At no point in this film, even in this very slanted retelling of Greek mythology, never once is it suggested he is not good at this job. He is competent. He is a bureaucrat. He is the exact kind of person who has reasonable cause to want to rule things by, this, by meritocracy If we are talking strictly meritocracy, he is the only God we ever see in this entire film outside of Hercules who has earned something, who has pushed himself to be better in some way, shape, or form, because he did not choose this life for himself. He had it thrust upon him, and yet he is still succeeding despite being given a bad hand. Speaking of which, let us stop and say, while he is working, while he is grinding, as he points out early in the film, this job that has been thrust upon him, what are the other gods doing? As we enter the film, as we are being presented this gospel truth, all we see of the gods are that they are relaxing, they are lounging. Even though all of them have very sacred, important tasks to keep the balance and order of the Greek world in line, they're having a party for a baby. Now, I will say I will not be going into the more um, mythologically accurate versions of Zeus, Hera, and Hercules because, again, this is Disney, the, the Disney-fied villains. version. We are following Disney law. that All of that stuff will be considered unadmissible um, evidence. Okay. But even by that standard, we are presented through the gospel truth, quote-unquote. Zeus, as the king of the gods, he overthrew the Titans to, and as they put it, conquered the world while still in his youth. Zeus overthrew the Titans, who are presented in this film as sort of primordial forces, as sort of elemental powers. We have fire, we have earth, we have wind, we have ice. At the end of the day, as we look at this domain, all Zeus has really achieved is overthrowing a sort of natural selection anarchy in favor of a monarchy, that he has self-appointed himself as the king As He was not elected. He was not chosen. He simply got to be king because he was the strongest, because he had the lightning bolts that defeated the Titans. And once he is in power, what is he actually doing? He's not looking out for the mortal realm. He can't even get his son back from the mortal realm. He is simply hanging out in some clouds with his fellow gods. And as an example of his tyrannical rule, he has thrust this responsibility upon Hades, this unreasonable burden, a much stronger burden than Zeus himself takes on, while he lounges around. And if you want to underline how biased he is against Hades, Poseidon is clearly seen at this party, and he does not have to return to the sea at any point, it's fine. His, you know, everyone else's jobs are flip-floppable. At the end of the day, yes, we could argue that Hades' attempt to overthrow his brother is another coup attempt, but he is simply following in the footsteps of his brother. We, If Zeus' law is to be adhered to, it is the law of might makes right. And Hades was mightier, so he is righter. And to underline the value of these two gods, of Zeus versus Hades, I would under, like to underline the fact that Hades genuinely reasonable God throughout the entire film. It is very interesting, as we see, and again, this is the biased spin of the muses. Even in their spin of events, he follows the rules to a T. You know, he does his job, no muss, no fuss. All of his deals he makes throughout the film are adhered to. For example, when he... When he tells Hercules that if you give up your God powers, I will break my contract with Meg, he does. And then vice versa, when Megra sacrifices herself and gets hurt for Hercules, that deal is broken. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't bend the rules. Those rules are adhered to. He makes a deal with Hercules later to say, if you somehow manage to get her out of the well of souls, you'll be free to go. And he does. He doesn't try to force Hercules to stay. He doesn't try to drag him back to the underworld. He's allowed to go. Every time time Hades makes a deal in this film, is adhered to. He follows the rules. And even though some would argue his actions against Hercules were a bit callous, were a bit extreme, the moment he has presented a non-lethal solution to his problems— The moment he is presented the option to not try and kill Hercules when he discovers that Megra is his weakness, he takes advantage of that. The minute a more reasonable, peaceful solution is presented to him, he takes it. He chooses not to kill Hercules. He chooses chooses to give Hercules a chance to step out of the way and let this natural rule of might being right follow through. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I would like to present that this gospel truth is a very biased retelling of history. It is a retelling of history written by the victors, in this case Zeus, to present himself as an omniscient, kind-hearted God who is ruling over everything, when in reality he is a tyrant who overthrew anarchists to make himself king, delegated tasks to everyone, showing particular spite toward his much harder-working, more competent brother who follows all of the rules while Zeus can't even tell his own son how to become a god again truthfully. Ladies and gentlemen, Hades' actions could be viewed as extreme. They could be viewed as antagonistic. But he is not a villain. He is simply following the rules that everyone else in this universe has, that working hard and proving yourself makes you a god and makes you worthy of a throne by God, do your duty.
1: Thank you very much, Mr. Glance. Um, <clears throat> interesting. You presented some points that, um, were actually quite good. Um, it is true that he does follow the rules, actually. he He does cooperate with the terms that are given to him at any given time, so that is true, that to say that um hades is a cooperative <laughs> character here um as well as we cannot deny that um without necessarily having powers of might, he is talented in his field of work uh and he does a sufficient and and good job at at what he's there to do um where you lose me a bit is towards the end with this argument that um, that he had the opportunity to kill Hercules and she doesn't uh, is is not. <laughs> I don't think that is entirely genuine. I think he just gives Hercules permission to kill himself. Really, um, on maybe on a literal level, uh, does does he not actually? push Hercules or, or, or actually assault him in any way, but, um, sent him to do that with a certainty that it would kill him. So, um, so, so that one is tricky. I'm not sure. Um, but you know, from my point of view, I, after that, I may be inclined to be a little more sympathetic towards, uh, Hades and what he what he's actually about during this film. At at the very least, I will say that, yeah, I consider the muses to be unreliable narrators.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I I would also simply like to add, yes, you are right that uh, Hades might have left out a few key details, but lying through admission is not a crime. Right. At least not an extreme crime. Right. And I would also like to point out in terms of being one of the few people in this film who follows through and acts honestly and by the rules. At the end of the day, the fates said Hercules would stop him if he was allowed to participate in the fight, and, at, and ultimately, Hades accepted those terms. Right. He got sucked into the well of souls, and that was that.
1: Yeah. Um, All
0: right. Are you ready to give your case?
1: Oh, I, I think I'm ready. Maybe I'm just downplaying it on purpose.
0: All right. Uh, Miss Berkeley, yes. let us hear your case for your client.
1: Thank you. ladies and gentlemen of the jury and uh, your honor, the honorable judge Glantz, um, my client today is none other than the Mother Gothel from Rapunzel. Now, Mother Gothel has been accused of kidnapping and holding hostage a royal princess with magic hair for about 18 years. And I would like to present to you today that that narrative of her being a a kidnapper is not entirely true. It, it is at least not the full story. There is more to this person than you have been shown. And by the end of today, I am sure that if you were in her shoes, you would have done the same exact thing. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, please answer me this. Are you familiar with the term? Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you've heard that term used many times within your lives. We're all familiar with it. It essentially means that if you find something, it's it's yours. Why shouldn't it be? If somebody else was careless enough to lose it, then maybe they didn't deserve to have it at all in the first place. Well... Mother Gothel is both the beneficiary of of this saying and also the victim of it at the same time. And for those of you that that are that have experience with finders keepers losers weepers, you know that it sucks to be the losers weepers. Because it's not fair. That judgment is not is not fair to say that if you really cared about that thing, how many of us have been told by our parents when we cry about losing our favorite toy, well, if it really mattered to you, you wouldn't have lost it. We all know how unfair that is. We all know how untrue that is because mistakes happen, accidents happen. Sometimes we lose things that mean a lot to us and it doesn't mean that it didn't matter to us. It doesn't mean that we don't care about it. Well. Mother Gothel lost something absolutely invaluable. And all of her actions thereafter was just in the pursuit of getting it back. You see, you're all familiar with the story. She very naturally happened across a magic flower. A flower that has the power to grant its wielder healing powers and anti-aging re- reversal powers. The patent is still pending on that. Um, not really sure how to brand its use. But basically, it had the ability to heal any and all wounds, to essentially bring people back from the dead, and uh, to give people the, not only appearance, but the actual like physiological ability to be younger than what they are. Now, this is a highly valuable thing. And if I'm sure your imagination can, all, can already come to this conclusion that there are many ways to exploit something like a magical youth flower. And that Mother Gothel had ample opportunity to exploit this thing for her financial benefit from the jump if she wanted to. She had plenty of time to do that. She had plenty of time to take this thing to somehow either mass produce it or create multiples of it or to like break off pieces of it and exchange it for money to criminals if she wanted to do that. I don't know why she didn't. She she never ever did. But she could have. And she kept care of this flower and she kept it protected and hidden. And it was very innocently for her own use, until she became the Losers Weepers. And that is how all of this started. Because it's not fun being a Losers Weepers, and it doesn't mean that you didn't take good care of the thing that you lost, because she did take good care of it. She just accidentally lost it, and she only ever wanted it back. Now, why did she want this flower back so badly? Okay, I would like to draw your attention to the time period, or you know what, any time period, where a woman's value is totally synonymous with her appearance. So much is wrapped up in a woman's appearance, like her, like um, her economic status or her sort of childbearing status, or, or her, her her value as a person is judged differently because she is a woman in a different way than her male counterparts would be. There is so much more at stake. It wouldn't matter if she were good at anything. It wouldn't really matter if she had skills. It wouldn't matter if she was intelligent, because I would argue she is all of those things, skilled, talented you, you saw, she she absolutely is. But she is unmarried, and for whatever reason, that is none of our business, she doesn't have children. And I guess we have evidence to the fact that it's not because she doesn't want children, she took care of one for 18 years. She ha- She's called Mother Gothel, it's in the name. She is inherently maternal. And for whatever reason, for as far as you know, maybe she didn't have the ability to have children of her own. Do you know what happens to women who don't have the ability to have children of their own? They get their freaking heads cut off. Pardon my language, Your Honor. But society is not kind to women who cannot fulfill their duty of being young, beautiful, and bearing sons. Well, maybe she could never bear sons, but the least she could do was be beautiful. And I speak from experience, and I think every woman in this room can attest to the fact that if some new products came out promising you beauty and youth, that it would just make your life easier if you had that product. You, We all know about these old, you know, grandmother recipes of how to have clear skin, of how to... Have beautiful hair of how to stay thin we all know those those tips and tricks passed down from so and so's grandmother it is a it is a tradition love it or hate it for better or for worse good or bad women have been trying to stay beautiful for their survival and mother gothel is just another victim of that system that she needs to maintain this youth in order to carry on with her life and to be accepted in society. Otherwise, she would surely be some sort of outcast or put away for female hysteria, which is just what they did with every woman that was not doing her quote-unquote job as a woman. Times would have been so dangerous for Mother Gothel if she she had not done what she needed to do to maintain her one asset, which was being effortlessly gorgeous. And the evidence is all there. I think you all can see she did an excellent job because she is stunning throughout the film. But that's neither here nor there. Now, we understand why she needed the powers of this flower, if you're not aware of what happened, see, Princess Rapunzel, as an infant, as a fetus, received the, the uh, sort of magical essence of this flower when her mother, while attempting to give birth to her while ill, um, they crushed the flower, put it in water, she drank it, and that is how these magical youth powers ended up with Rapunzel. And unfortunately... This is the same flower that Mother Gothel lost. And her collection of this mystical baby, again, was just in the pursuit of of regaining and retaining something that she lost. That was hers to begin with. Now, throughout this movie, Rapunzel is a big risk. We see lots of people wanting to steal the powers of her hair i mean she's got this target on her back at all times could you imagine a princess like this actually living in a palace and not like trapped away in a tower because let me tell you something if mother gothel had not kidnapped rapunzel she would have been sent to a tower regardless if somebody somewhere would have put her away for her protection or they would have just cut her hair or or somehow assaulted her or brutalized her in some way out of greed I mean we see stories of this all of the time of the the king or queen you know having courtiers or ladies-in-waiting with bad intentions with bad intentions for the throne for themselves for for money and they lash out and do violent things, sometimes towards children. I mean, we've we've seen this in history time and time, time again. There's a story of King Richard and the boys in the tower who mysteriously went missing. People will murder children for their own gain. Royals do this. And I would argue a similar fate would have happened to Rapunzel, okay? She lost her hair at the age of 18. But I would argue that the that the only reason Rapunzel is has her iconic hair, the thing that she is known for is because of Mother Gothel. Because that hair would have been harvested a long time ago. Somebody somewhere would have gotten their mitts on it. It would never have occurred to them to have let it grow. They would have tried early on in her infancy to harvest this hair, ultimately ending in failure because as you know when the hair is cut it loses its power and everybody loses. Rapunzel loses. She she's stripped of her powers and the hair is useless if it's not attached to her scalp. So uh you just know that somebody somewhere would have attempted to just take a little off the ends and absolutely ruin the bit for everybody. Everybody's everybody's gig would have been over. I And this would have happened early in Rapunzel's life. You just know that. Now, Rapunzel's whole brand is about having long hair, and I don't think she would even be able to have this iconic stuff without Mother Gothel putting her away and preserving this precious hair for 18 years. That is the only way it grew to this length. Rap- Rapunzel has Mother Gothel to thank for her iconic hair. She's the number one Preserver of this iconic hair, okay. And ladies and gentlemen, I just want to leave you with this reminder: Mother Gothel reminds Rapunzel from the beginning that she knows best. Now, those of you with mothers out there, you 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 know this. I I hope that some of you know this, but every now and again, as much as it hurts to admit. Sometimes our mothers are right. It sucks to admit it because we argue with them that they're wrong. But sometimes, every now and again, they're right. And for whatever reason, it just hurts. Like, dang, I can't believe I was wrong and she was right. Sometimes mother really does know best. And I would like to bring to all of your attention that Mr. Lover, lover boy over here, Flynn Ryder, if that is his real name, which we all know that it's not. Mother Gothel absolutely clocked what he was about from the jump, okay? Let's not let this smolder, like, witch, any of us. This is a criminal who admits to doing crime since his youth. She was on her way to bringing this man to justice and to actually protecting her daughter from a guy who... Surely, if he had realized, if he had realized sooner that her hair had magic powers, you just know he would have tried to take it from her first, because Flynn Rider is always about number one. And without, I would argue that without Mother Gothel, Flynn and Rapunzel wouldn't have had any reason to even go on this journey, and Flynn would have never had this sort of come-to-Jesus moment where he decided to change his life and start doing better. He has her to, think for that, to thank for that as well. So, thank you so much for your time, ladies and gentlemen, and your honor. And um, I hope that, that you leave this at least understanding where Mother Gothel was coming from, okay? It sucks to be a loser's weepers. Thank you
0: well i'm just a small town l- judge but uh no i'm not doing that voice for the rest of this <laughs> I ref- no i'm not not Tommy Tom. this <laughs> love we both got the same reference
1: yeah um
0: so you you laid out some interesting points there uh berkeley <laughs> um I will say that in the animated series, she does have a daughter, but I, if I'm striking classical Greek oh. mythology from my record, you're free to strike that as non-canon for the ar- purposes of this argument. Thank you. Purposes, not porpoises. Damn it, now I have to keep that in. I could have just added <laughs> in that. Um, but yes, I do think you make some interesting points. At the end of the day, Mother Gothel, in many ways, is a victim. She is a victim of the state who decided they are entitled, because it is on their land, to this flower and taking this power away that otherwise was completely contained by... Safely contained by one person. Um, I would say the animated series does do a very good job of being like, no, this is actually very dangerous power. Um, Like, maybe she had a point of keeping it in a flower safe away from everyone. Um, Made a few straw man arguments there toward a couple people, but at the same time, I'm not a fan of those debilitating club terms, so I'm willing to let that go. Um... I do think you are right to a certain extent about, at the end of the day, like, you know, Mother Cothold did have some points about a lot of people trying would have tried to take advantage of this hair. Definitely containing it was probably the sensible option. Um... My only counter argument to you, and you laid, this is, this is the, this is the lawyer. This is the equivalent of the lawyer being like, no, no, make OJ put on the glove. Like, (laughs) then we'll have him absolutely, let's leave no doubt, only discover, oh, damn it, the glove doesn't actually, it doesn't quite fit, right? That might have just destroyed our entire case. (laughs) Yesterday, while you were re-watching the film Tangled, you made the point of saying that Rapunzel uses a lot of coded language. That she expresses fear of ruffians. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and, uh, actually, when you say that out loud, that actually makes a lot of sense. But I would retort, who taught Rapunzel that language? Who taught her to have a natural I fear mean, of the outside world? Again, another coded language thing. That was Mother, Mother Gothel gave the order.
1: Okay, so what?
0: You, you, the whole courtroom's sat order then. Um, I just
1: want to yell <laughs> that.
0: But at the same time, I'm willing to, I'm willing to acknowledge that Mother Gothel, at the end of the day, she tried to cut Rapunzel's hair to just take some. It didn't work. And in an act of desperation, she took the whole baby. If there was an option to handle this passively and non-crime, in a non-criminal way, she would have. Right. She is a victim of the state. So I'm willing to let you have that one.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. That was Um, the most debate
0: club we've ever gotten.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah, that was a lot of fun, honestly. Like, I would love to do something like that again. Um, We think we're going to put up a little Instagram poll at some point after this episode goes live. Mm. um, Because we want all of you to act as, as the jury of sorts. And tell us whether or not you think Mother Gothel or Hades should be considered guilty or not guilty. I mean, they're guilty, should they be considered victims or not? Or villains or not villains?
0: Yes, I think that's the way we should put it for the purposes of Halloween. Um, Right. I also, um, I'm curious, were there any other people you were particularly looking at to argue for their cases?
1: Well, like, I was gonna, you know, I... I sometimes I worry that I talk about Princess and the Frog too much, but I I was very seriously considering Doctor Facilier.
0: I I had him on my preliminary list too. Um, yeah. Another guy Another guy who makes deals where you just need to read the fine print. Don't exactly. say you want green and not think about well, Frogs. what if he turns me into a frog?
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. You need to
0: think about these things. What about you? Um, I and I like I talked as I was doing it. I was really working on cases for Oogie Boogie as someone who is just trying to protect the natural balance of the holidays, right. whereas our protagonist Jack basically destroys Christmas and Halloween. Yeah, Jack is very um, selfish. Yeah, and Yizma as the very simple like uh, Cusco is driving this country into a ditch with expenditures. Right. She. And I, 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 I think I long for competent bureaucracy as a person, right. which is why I get pulled to certain characters. Right. Uh, base level, stable bureaucracy. Um, but as a lawyer myself, Glance always likes to look toward the big fish. He doesn't like to settle for the easy case. It's about proving yourself.
1: Right, right. Agreed. Yeah.
0: Um, thank you all so much for listening Uh, I hope you enjoyed this and I hope you're excited for an entire month of sort of spooky festivities
1: oh I am so ready for more spooky good times here at
0: the Disney desk we guarantee it will make you scream for more (laughs) 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 Um, but yes until we are standing before the judge and jury again arguing on behalf of not the bad just the misunderstood i'm carter
1: and i'm sydney
0: have a magical day
1: and thanks for listening
0: the disney desk is brought to you by carter and sydney
1: Follow us on Twitter, at DisneyDesk, for the latest updates about the show.
0: Want more of the most magical podcast on Earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon.
1: For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com slash DisneyDesk and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you. And I dropped the recording. Hold Okay. I mean, it's still recording, but you just you're gonna hear me drop the phone on the <laughs> phone. <laughs>